we come together this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment of silent reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor, glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun in his reign. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good proceeds, grant to us, your humble servants, your holy inspiration, that we may set our minds on the things that are right and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, verses 7 through 9, and can be found on page 1339 in your pew Bible. The past few weeks we've been reading from the prophet Ezekiel, and this passage deals with God's message that we must reach out to others about God's word. Ezekiel 33, 7 through 9. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak, and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn away from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. We're going to read Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin, page 6. In this psalm, David is writing about the joy in God's forgiveness. Psalm 32, 1 through 7. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, 
While I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore let, but did I skip a page? Okay. Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty wars will not reach them. The epistle this morning is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1764 in the Pew Bible. Paul's letter to the church in Rome is about how we are to live at peace with our government as long as the government allows us to live with religious freedom. Rome 13, 1 through 20. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who gave their full time to governing. Give to anyone what you owe them, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves one others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet, and what other, whatever other command there is, there are summed up in this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor; therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia.
The Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is indeed taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1526 in the Pew Bible. Matthew 18, 1 through 20. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name, he welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? If he finds it, truly I tell, tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, 
tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. This morning, the gospel begins with a question by the disciples of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's Matthew 18, verse 1. Now, Jesus used this question as a starting point for describing the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and how the church should deal with the greatest in the kingdom and the magnitude the magnitude of forgiveness of sins that is set aside for the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Last week, the gospel described uh, the point in time when Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes, that he must be killed, and that on the third day he would rise again. And that is in Matthew 16, 21. And we remember what the response from Peter was, right? Now, shortly after that time, Jesus did take with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain uh, all by themselves. He left the others behind, and that is in Matthew 17. And in Matthew 17, 2, it says, And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Again, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 2. We covered that reading on the Sunday of Transfiguration quite a while back. That was at the end of the Epiphany season. And a few verses before today's gospel begins, we have um, another passion prediction. A passion prediction. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man 
is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. That's Matthew 17, 22, and 23. He is telling the guys, he's telling the boys what's coming. So Jesus has recently given some of the disciples a glimpse at his glory. And at least twice, he has told them of his upcoming suffering, his upcoming death and resurrection. You would think this. You would think that the disciples would be interested in the topic that Jesus just placed before him. Wouldn't you? His upcoming suffering and death and resurrection? Wouldn't you think they'd have more questions? You would think that they would have questions, but that is what you would think, but that is not what they asked. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Some of them had seen Jesus shining brighter than the sun and walking with Moses and Elijah. And yet, all of them had heard Jesus talk about his upcoming suffering and his death and his resurrection in Jerusalem. And that is the question that is on their minds. Now our Lord Jesus, he, um, he never skipped a beat and he never missed a teaching opportunity. So what did he do? He called a child he called for a child to be brought amongst them, and he put this child where everyone could see him, and he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He further says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, 2 and 4. Jesus took the opportunity of their question to teach them that greatness in the kingdom of heaven is totally different. Greatness in the kingdom of heaven is totally different than the kingdoms, heavy on the dumbs, on this world. Right away, a lot of people are saying something like, oh, the innocence of youth. That is what Jesus was teaching He's pointing to a child because the child is so innocent. And I've got to admit that when my children are all decked out, all cleaned up, they can look pretty innocent. But you can ask me or anyone else who has raised a couple of kids, and you would hear the truth, and that is that children need to be taught to tell the truth because they are natural liars. Amen? And you must teach children to tell the truth. Uh, you need to teach children to share because they are selfish by nature. Amen? Mine! <laughs> Apparently nobody else had that happen in their house. I have seen infants. I have seen infants with murder in their eye. Little baby sinners. 
Boy, I tell you what, you take that pacifier away from them, ooh, and they, yeah, maybe again, maybe it was only at my house. I don't think so. Children may look innocent, but we know they're not, right? And even King David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. As Psalm 51.5. So why did Jesus use a child as an example of greatness? Why? What is, what is so great and special about them? What can they do, a child, do for the kingdom? What can they do, a child, do for Jesus? And the answer, of course, is not a thing. And that's just the point. Children have no capacity for entering the kingdom of God and not much capacity for serving it. Children are helpless. We think of Jesus with the children, but those children never came on their own. They were brought to him. We know that in Scripture, in Luke 18, 15, it says, Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them. Notice that someone brought the infants. They didn't come on their own. That's silly. So in today's gospel, Jesus put the child in the midst of them. And think, did the child really know what was going on in the situation? Of course not. Which again is the point. All the child knew is he was there in the presence and he was put there and it was a pretty okay place to be. But that's all. For when it comes to the kingdom and a right relationship with God, there is no room for human initiative. There is no room for human effort, for self-seeking, for self-promotion, for self-justification, for self-advocacy. None. None at all. In fact, that all gets in the way. All of that self forms obstacles to grace, and it misses the point entirely of how God wants to save us. And that God's way of saving us is by doing it all for us, himself, through his Son. So Jesus taught his disciples that the one who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who needs the most help. The one who's greatest is the one that needs the most help. The one who is totally helpless is the greatest in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. This is the opposite of this world where the one who gives the most help is usually the greatest. Right? That's how we measure greatness. So the one who is the most helpless comes under God's protection. And whoever causes one of these little ones, there's a warning, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe 
to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. Matthew 18, 6 and 7. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think, he asks, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Not one. You're one of those little ones that he called because he didn't want you to perish. And there's lots of little ones that are lost. And that the 99 that are, you know, penned up and relatively behaving don't really give a whack about that one, but God does. And he says so. Have you heard, are you aware that right now it's not in the news much, but the United States Marshal Service has been finding children that have been missing in huge numbers. In just the last week and a half, that's well over 100 children have been found. In one place, in a double-wide trailer, they found 50 children. These are the little ones that are being rescued now. And we need to be about praying for those. Back on track, even the verse that deal with church discipline about the one, the brother or sister that sins against you, they're the lost ones. They're the ones that are the greatest in heaven. They need the most help. They are helpless. They have strayed. And Jesus teaches, if your brother listens to you, you have gained a brother. So the helpless are the greatest. And they are the perfect candidates for grace. That's you and me. Now at another time, Jesus said, whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave. And even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20, 26 and 28, God himself became helpless, humble, and lowly. The one who needs no one's help became not only a little child, but also a suffering and dying grown-up. The king of kings came down And humbled himself even to death on the cross to secure God's grace for the little ones. That's what it's meant when we've been given the power to be called the children 
of God. This sinful world seeks greatness through power. And Jesus himself said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That is the way of the world to get power and to use it to control others. The one who uses power and control the most effectively is the greatest according to the world's standards. And that's really nothing new under the sun, isn't it? Vanity above all vanity. Now, on the other hand, Jesus points to the helpless child as the standard of greatness in the kingdom of heaven, the one who is the most helpless, the weakest, the humblest, the lowliest, the most dependent on God, and the most reliant on Jesus. This is the greatest. There are times when the difficult life of bearing the cross beats down. There are times when the flaming darts of the evil one are especially fierce. And those who suffer these attacks are the little ones who are the greatest. Jesus said, whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. And in this way, the Holy Spirit, he works through the church to bear one another's burdens. We named one of the little ones, the ones in need, the ones that are probably feeling hopeless this morning. And we lifted her and her husband up in prayer. That is what is meant by the greatest. Then there is the way that all of us need to depend on God. Think about this for a moment. At the time that God and the Holy Spirit works faith in us, he must take us back into infancy. We are all helpless to save ourselves, and therefore we are like helpless children who need rescuing. And that is what the Holy Spirit does when he gives us the faith that relies on Jesus alone. I've had a heart attack. Many of you know that. I felt pretty helpless. And I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that um, even though I knew the Lord and professed him, um, I was kind of full of myself. I was a, more of a fan of Jesus and of God than a follower. I mean, but it was at that time when I was dying that I submitted myself completely and my children and my wife into his hands and asked for whatever was left over, could you give me a little? I wish I didn't have to have had that situation. I wish I could hear the word and think the word and transform my heart, and it, and it has and it does, but boy, did I need that sledgehammer sign. And it hurt. And because of that, when I speak of these things or when I am, as your shepherd, aware of times and trials, uh, I can't help but think, okay, 
all right, because I wouldn't have done it that way 15 years ago. I understand why you allowed it to happen, because it gives me empathy that I wouldn't have had. I understand what a heart attack feels like. I also understand what it feels like to have a child die in your arms, my own son. I couldn't see any purpose in that, but boy, did I look back at it now and go, oh, I was the littlest one. I was the one that was the most hopeless. We're the ones that needed the most help. And I'm grateful that he brought us through that, and I'm grateful that he brings others through it because he can use that. He can use that for good. So here's the gospel bomb. When we were at our most helpless, when we were dead in trespasses and sin, and the Lord treated us as the greatest in the kingdom, he took on our weakness and he died that we might live. He rose that we might have eternal life with him forever. It is he, it is him, Jesus, who takes the most helpless and makes them the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of the day is Be Thou My Vision, again by Audrey Assad.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. You know, there's nothing we have done, nor we will do, that would cause God to hear our prayers this morning, much less act upon them. However, we are his creation, and because he loves us, he hears our prayer. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord and God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we gather this morning to praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us safe throughout this past week and for keeping the COVID virus away from us. Please continue to shield us from this disease. Thank you for enabling us to safely gather to worship you in this sanctuary or at home and your peace that floods over us as we focus on the saving grace of your son, Jesus. We most certainly need a respite from all the sins surrounding us in this world that has led to incredible hate and destruction between citizens of our own country, as well as between nations. Please, Holy Spirit, help each of us to not join into the anger and hate being thrown about by those who disagree on just about every topic imaginable. Help us to be respectful of others and keep our opinions to ourselves, realizing that all too often, Satan has control of our mouths. Holy Father, we pray for those who have experienced severe weather throughout the United States. Many are suffering and have lost loved ones, and our hearts break for them. Thank you for all citizens who come to the aid of those in trouble, and for those who encourage people who are destitute, hungry, lost, or in despair. Lord, we pray for the many individuals and families who have been broken and livelihoods destroyed by the anarchy and chaos occurring in cities around our nation. We are witnessing the actions of evil on our daily news, and it is incomprehensible to us. Please, Holy Spirit, provide wisdom to the various elected leaders who are either incapable or unwilling to protect the law-abiding citizens in their jurisdictions. Thank you, Holy Father, for continuing to shine a light on the lies, deceit, and hypocrisy of political leaders and the news media who promote such deceit. Holy Spirit, we pray for discerning minds and a healthy level of skepticism in all that we see and hear from those who would educate us and our children, inform us, or lead us. We also ask that we be granted a measure of your wisdom as we choose our elected leaders this fall. 
Holy Spirit, please strengthen our faith in the saving grace of our Father through Jesus, his only Son. Lead us to Holy Scripture where the truth is written for us that we would not drift off your path to our destiny in heaven. Thank you for your protective embrace of the many firefighters battling brush fires throughout our state and the temperate weather that have helped them. Thank you for protecting our local law enforcement officers from the hate we see in major cities around the nation. We pray for all who serve to protect us from the evil actions of others. Lord, we pray for our nation. It is in you we trust, even though some would separate us from your oversight. For the sake of your faithful, we ask that you remain with us and guide us so that our nation will not perish from a cancer within. Lord, we continue to pray for the medical professionals who serve to heal our friends and families, church family members, and all who are afflicted with disease or ailments. Please guide the hands of those who heal our loved ones and give us peace and trust in your mercies. We continue to pray for our school-aged children, Lord. We love them as you love us. Please keep them in your care. We do recognize, Holy Father, one benefit of this COVID virus, and that is that we have more time to spend with our children than in recent past. They grow so fast that we often don't value the time we get to spend with them. During this time, when they are isolated from their friends and classmates, help us encourage them and to speak of hope for their future. We pray for the safety of all of our military members. They serve to protect us all around the world and at home. Please shield them from all harm. Holy Father, we pray for those who travel. Please give all we love safe journeys and bring them home to us when their travels conclude. Dear Lord, you know our hearts and thoughts, and you know our prayers every moment of every day. We know that our thoughts aren't always very wholesome or Christian, and we are embarrassed that you already know them. Thank you for forgiving us when our thoughts are not loving, as they often are not. Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding us to focus on the thoughts of God rather than the guidance from Satan. Father, please give us rest from our anxieties and troubles. Open our hearts to be willing to help others who need whatever we can provide. Almighty God, thank you for our church family and our pastor. We pray for the safety of those who worship here and your protective embrace of all faithful wherever they are. Dear God Almighty, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers even when the answer is no or not yet because we know that your plan and timing are perfect and ours is not. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Let us share the peace responsibly and at a distance.
Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that our Lord Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And as usual, because of the new normal, you may be seated. Um, Ken and I will uh, commune each other, and then we will complete the service. And then for those that are here, um, we will commune after the service. Um, this sacrament uh, bestows, puts upon you grace. 
forgiveness of sins and salvation. It's his promise. It was, uh, as I've heard before, it was God wrote a check with his son's blood. And we know that that check cleared on Sunday morning when he came from the tomb declaring, I have life, new life for you. He said that at the tomb. So we're going to take care of the of uh, uh, communion right now, and then at that time you'll be brought up by the ushers.
Will you please stand? We'll, uh, I'm going to call an audible this morning. Uh, that uh, was um, from Allison uh, Christian. Many of you have known her since she was, or maybe, you know, was still uh, a tiny, tiny baby. And uh, in the interest of time, I think what we'll do is that will be our, our final hymn. Um, and then after the benediction, we will receive communion, and then I'll let you, let you go. So, um, and now the benediction. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Make the Lord, may the Lord keep, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In closing, I hope that during this time, this season that we find ourselves in, uh, when hope seems to be lost, I hope that you understand that this is exactly the time that God is working on you and with you and for you the most. When we feel the most hopeless, that is when he is doing his good work. And that is when, as your pastor, I would direct you to listen to his voice, the voice that he spoke over you in your baptism when he claimed you as his own. This is my daughter. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Yes, even you, he is well pleased. Even me, he is well pleased. This is the time by which we claim to him and cling to his promises. This is the time that Jesus did what he did for you. So have hope and be good to each other and make those phone calls to friends and reach out. And above all, call your daddy. Let him know what you need. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated and we'll bring you up, uh, the ushers will bring you up for communion.